You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Hello, welcome to the Lunch with Lloyd podcast with me, Tom Bushell, filling in for Mark Lloyd today. Coming up, I spoke to Israeli music conductor Tom Cohen. We chatted the brand new James Bond film, No Time to Die, with William Mullally. And of course, Snea May Francis talked us through all things Bollywood. Brunches as well with AJ, aka Mr. Brunch. Enjoy, and Lunch with Lloyd is live weekdays from 11 a.m. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. And hello, good afternoon. This is Tom Bushall looking after things for Mark Lloyd. Now, Tom Cohen is the founder, chief conductor and musical director of the Jerusalem Orchestra East and West. He is internationally recognised for fusing musical styles from the East and West to create Levant music, a new musical language. Cohen uh, composed and conducted all of the music of the Israel Pavilion at Expo 2020 Dubai. Let's have a little listen to some of his work. Tom will be performing at Expo 2020, and I'm delighted to say uh, he is on the phone uh, with me now for a chat. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you? <laughs> We're not going to get confused uh, with our names, are we? I'm very well, thank you, Tom. How are you, and, and how's it all going? Excited you must be ahead of Expo 2020 Dubai. Well, I'm so excited. By the way, do you know what your name means in Hebrew? Uh, tell me. Tom in Hebrew means innocence, ah, just for you to know. That's very good to know. Uh, now, Tom, thank you for that. You're known for fusing the musical styles of both, both West and East. Tell me more about why this is important to you. Well, in a way, uh, talking about my musical agenda, which is basically my life uh, uh, mission, I, I grew up uh, here uh, in Israel, a place where uh, both Uh, Arabic traditional uh, music and European and American styles uh, exist not as bypassers but as as, uh, uh, something that is in the sound of the ground. Of course, in Jerusalem, that was the main city that so many cultures, traditions uh, uh, inhabited. And uh, for me, the the journey was uh, uh, studying both Western music and Eastern music, even though I have a problem with these definitions. But Mm. let's say studying music both from the Orient and the Occident I, I found myself seeking for a language that combined the two together. It's, it's not even two, to combine it all together. Yeah. So uh, by learning really deeply the world of uh, Arabic maqam, uh, uh, the quarter notes, the, the uh, specific uh, grooves and styles, and to adapt it to Western harmony, jazz harmony, uh, pop, rock, classical Western music, together into creation this new music that is today called Levant music that is really uh, can be either new compositions like the one that you just played either uh, uh, traditional music like Muhammad Abdu or uh, Um Kaltum receiving this new Broadway uh, kind of yeah. uh, arrangement or uh, European music like uh, flamenco music or uh, Edith Piaf for example, receiving a more uh, uh, oriental treatment. I mean, as you say, it does send out, it's a great message, isn't it, in terms of bringing East and West together through the cultures and, and fusing those sounds together. Of course, as we just heard, it, it sounds amazing as well. Just tell us a little bit about the work you've done uh, for the Israel Pavilion at Expo 2020 and the sort of uh, what people can expect when you'll be performing live as well at the event. 
Well, as, as the message of the pavilion was uh, building a future together, it was very important for me to create this, this uh, uh, kind of music that, uh, that will evoke inside the listener this feeling of, of uh, unity. I wanted to, to actually bring out exactly what you've uh, uh, mentioned in your, in, in, in your question this uh, understanding that first of all we are so much alike we are so much the same yeah. and still we need to celebrate and and respect our differences and through this knowing the other and knowing uh, uh, that where we are the same and where we uh, differ we can achieve a lot of amazing things, a lot bigger than what we can achieve by ourselves. Well, talking of um, achieving things, I, I'm just looking at the projects you're involved in or have been involved in. So artistic director of the Gibraltar World Music Festival, uh, music director of the MED Orchestra in Brussels. You have toured the US and founded an orchestra in Canada. You have also founded orchestras in Morocco, Israel and Belgium. You work with El Gusto, an orchestra of Algerian musicians. How on earth do you fit it all in well uh first of all i must admit i love what i do mm. uh I, I i'm just i cannot i i never get tired because i am so much passionate about what i do i feel basically the luckiest man on the world to be able to to take part in so many amazing projects and, and besides that i think and this is the, a very important point i think that as an artist you mentioned, you know, I play with Algerian musicians, for example. I just received, I came back from uh, from Turkey last week where my orchestra, the Jerusalem Orchestra, won an award for best uh, uh, musical group uh, uh, in Turkey. Uh, and, and for me, the idea is to say I'm not a politician. I have the great privilege of looking from a very, a lot wider perspective on our region uh, uh, and, and in a way even ignore the conflict, uh, the conflicts that has been tearing us apart for the last hundred years, and try to remember an age. I'm not even talking about the golden age 500 years ago in Spain. I'm talking about a hundred years ago, where where Muslims and Jews created music together in all of the Muslim countries uh, uh, surrounding Israel, and and trying to, you know, I think of my late grandfather. Uh, uh, who came from Iraq. He was Jewish by definition, but he was not a religious man in any way. He was the secular, most secular man I've known. At the same time, he knew all of the music of Muhammad Abdel Wahab, of Um Kaltoum, of Farid al-Adash by heart. I did not feel with him the, the need to choose, are you this or are you that? And, and I think that by me putting myself as a bridge or trying to put myself in a bridge and inviting people to join me, we can only gain from it. Absolutely. Tom Cohen, you've composed and conducted all of the music that will be in the Israel Pavilion at Expo 2020 Dubai. So if you want to hear Tom's work, that's where you need to go. You'll be performing live Expo 2020 as well uh, throughout the, uh, the next six months or so. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the radio with us today and, uh, and, and sharing your stories. I mean, you have, a, you have done so much. Uh, so I fully recommend people to sort of search for you online and find out a bit more as well. Where could they? Have you, do you have your own website that people could go to? Well, to be perfectly honest, it's the most unprofessional thing of me to say, but it's <laughs> under construction. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but let's say, let's say this. Keep my name in mind. Yeah. Wait another two weeks and then write it Perfect. on Google. Perfect. <laughs> meanwhile, Perfect. meanwhile, you can enjoy me on uh, YouTube, on exactly. Facebook, uh, uh, wherever you want. Exactly. There's always a digital platform to be found on. Uh, Tom Cohen, exactly. um, thank you for your time today and uh, enjoy uh, the rest of Thursday. And, uh, and good luck with all of the projects that you have going on.
Thank you so much, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Tom Cohen uh, for you. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Tom Bushell looking after things for Mark Lloyd today, who will be on the radio later on from Expo 2020, the opening ceremony at 8pm later on this evening. It's time, though, to speak movies. William Mullally will join us on the line. And, of course, there's no bigger event in the movie business than a James Bond New film release. Let's have a listen to the trailer. Bond, any thug can kill. I have to know I can trust you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. You're on a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Is this really what you want? Always alone? Just gets you in the mood for the new one, doesn't it? No Time to Die is the new James Bond uh, film, and to talk about it. William Mullally is on the line. Hello, William, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Really, there is no more exciting moment in sort of the film industry, is it, than a, a new James Bond release, and it's all out right here in Dubai right now, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a few extra reasons to make this feel extra special. One, because we were supposed to get this movie a year and a half ago. Yeah. So anyone that was geared up thought they were going to see it in March 2020. And then all of a sudden this thing called the coronavirus showed up and railed James Bond off the release schedule, finally rescheduled for today in the OE, next week in the U.S. So we're going to see it before most of the world. And it's also the final outing of Daniel Craig as James Bond, you know, 16 years after he first got into that black suit. He's finally saying goodbye. And, you know, I think it's, it's emotional for everyone involved, even him. You know, even though he had his foot in and out at times, you thought maybe he would step out sooner. I think at the end of the day, he turned into something really special. And from all I've heard, this is definitely a proper goodbye to his version of the character. Absolutely. And it's funny to look back as well, isn't it, before he did uh, Casino Royale, because there was actually quite a lot of negative press about him taking over. But then he just got his, he, he, got it, he, he just got it absolutely spot on, didn't he, going forward, starting with Casino Royale, which was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think now that we've had time to really digest it, even though we're 25 films into the Bond franchise, Casino Royale might be the best one ever. You know, it's like that or mm. Goldfinger. Really, I, I think it's that, that good. And I think he brought something special to it. He brought, you know, in a post 9-11 world, he brought James Bond in, into a more vulnerable place, into yeah. a more real world place where the threats felt a bit more existential. Yeah. <laughs> and although the thrills were still there, there was a sense of menace. And it does seem like we're finally getting the end of that story here, you know, 20 years after that event, um, bringing in Rami Malek as the villain. And, you know, this grim sense of foreboding, I think, really brings in this whole film. And to do that, I think they brought in some really heavy hitters, you know, um, because originally this was supposed to be directed by Danny Boyle. He stepped away due mm. to creative differences. And so at the last minute, they brought in, you know, um, Terry Fukunaga, as well as, you know, writer Fidel Bridge, who's done things, mm. uh, you know, tremendous, you know, work, you know, we bag. Um, it really, I think with Carrie, though, this is the guy who did the first season of True Detective, who did Beasts of No Nation. So perfectly suited for this really gritty, real grounded world that is still absolutely thrilling and cinematic. And I, I think he's one of the most talented directors working today. And he and I last week, you know, sat on Zoom for an hour having a tremendous conversation wow. about, you know, the fact that, yeah, he was hired 
not only was he hired, you know, with a third of the time he should have had to get this film done because it was supposed to be Danny Boyle, Daniel Craig got hurt really early on and they hadn't even finished writing the film yet. <laughs> so he was sitting there with like the best actors in the world throwing together scenes that he wasn't even sure how he was going to use. This is something that he's revealed to me that he's been keeping a secret this entire time. But he's like, okay, the movie's coming out. Finally, I'll let you know what really happened. And here's what he told me. There was a point I remember early on in the project when we had to switch around some of the order of shooting because Daniel hurt himself. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there was a bunch of third act set pieces, which was the only set which was re- really ready to go that needed to be shot, which was M's office and MR6. And so I knew more or less in the outline that I had made what I wanted to ha- have happen in that section, but none of the, the body of the script had been written yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I think by the, point, by the time this comes out, it's okay to say that. But <laughs> so I was sitting there with some of the greatest actors in the world. I, Ray Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Rory Kinnear in this room as I'm like scribbling away on like, you know, initially basically just rough draft scripts with like, with dialogue that was intentional enough, but vague enough. I could apply it to a number of different things happening in the third act. That's It was almost like a choose your own adventure novel. I was like writing these pages that like, if this page happened here and you have to go here, then this page will work for that. And it worked like, like, like when we finally put the film together, it all made sense. It somehow all fit together. Uh, William, Rami Malek, of course, is in uh, to play the Bond villain. I mean, this film is getting rave reviews already. Of course, the world premiere in London just a couple of nights ago. But Rami Malek is, is right up there, isn't he, in terms of uh, the sort of actor he is and, and bringing what he does to this role. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, him and Omar Sharif now are, you know, the two most acclaimed Arab actors in Hollywood, um, in the history of Hollywood. And Rami is doing, he's only ascending still, even though he already won his Oscar. I think what he's going to do here is tremendous. And I think what Daniel is doing is tremendous. Mm. And Carrie, you know, gushed to me about what they both brought to this and in ways that you wouldn't expect. Daniel's a perfect example of someone like Daniel would come with ideas. You know, he'd be like, let me pitch you something. And he would have written out in his notebook monologues not for himself even necessarily like sometimes a monologue for for characters in the story that aren't even him yeah you know there we work it out you know especially for really critical scenes like the big scenes with the villain or the scenes with you know the the love interest or whatever you know you'd you'd you know he'd have he would come with ideas and we'd, we'd work it out and what's nice you know is that it's is that in rami too rami would have he would sit there and he, rami had a very different style he's like He's, he's a thinker. He's, Rami's supremely intelligent. We all are. But like, you think about the logic and think about what he's going for and like, think about what he's saying. And one is like to work it, work it more and find, find the things that his like, you know, his reasons, you know, his reasoning for being the person he is and the things he does and the things he says because of it. So I, I appreciate that because what, what you get, you know, if you think about it like a supercomputer, is you get other processors. Their brains are working to the collective goal of making it as good as possible, the story and the characters. And if they're using their brain power to make their characters far more interesting and layered and complex, hell yeah, bring it. Uh, William, new James Bond film, No Time to Die. Uh, just, I mean, is it a, a five out of five for you, a 10 out of 10? Is it amazing? I'm seeing it tonight, actually. They didn't show it to anyone in the country beforehand. Some people got to see it in the UK, but I'm so excited to watch it tonight. Amazing. And also, go on Esquire Middle East 
today, I'm going to post my full interview with Kerry Fukunaga and the full depth of No Time Today. Amazing, amazing. James Bond is back. Daniel Craig's final outing as 007. So, yes, that is... Well, it's amazing, isn't it, that we get to see it here in the UAE before much of the world, which is uh, fantastic. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Hello, this is Tom Bushall looking after things for Mark Lloyd today. We're talking movies. Very excited, of course, about the new James Bond uh, film, No Time to Die. But let's now move on uh, to June. We are House Atreides. There is no call. We do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts. I know you. There's only a way in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. William Mullally is on the line with me to discuss uh, movies, of course, uh, once again this week. Uh, tell us about Dune then, William. So Dune is the number one film in the UAE. It opened with around 60,000 people watching it last weekend, probably going up and up. And it's actually a film that was filmed here in the UAE. A lot of the, the shots of this you know, film based on the classic, classic novel by Frank Herbert about you know, this family who goes to this desert planet and finds out that they're being set up as a trap as this evil Harkonnen family comes back to take them out, and the, the Fremen people on this planet who help them and achieve, you know, freedom as we get in later in the story. Really, I think it's, it's a classic tale that really needed a classic backdrop, and so they used Abu Dhabi for these amazing, you know, vistas of the mm. desert, of the dunes, and brought in, you know, the biggest stars in the world with Timothy Chamley, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Moa, Oscar Isaac, Dylan Skarsgård, really, Josh Brolin. It's a tremendous, tremendous cast. Yeah. And I think it's been thrilling for a lot of people to watch this on IMAX. I went for a second time last night to watch it on IMAX. Wow. Really, it is gorgeous. And seeing Abu Dhabi on that screen was just fantastic. I think it, it reminds me of, you know, waking up in the morning on a camping trip and seeing that mist. I think it's the first film to really capture that feeling, that amazing feeling when you go camping here in the UAE. Fantastic. But at the end of the day, I think it's about, you know, the, the universality of this story. And it's a story that I don't think people thought we would ever get properly on the big screen. You know, David Lynch filmed a version back in the early 1980s that most people just don't like, including director David Lynch himself. And so I think Denis Villeneuve, the director here, who also did films like Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, Sicario, Prisoners, really tremendous director, really wanted to bring the book that he fell in love with as a kid to life and make it something that was truly special. And, you know, I think the original version just didn't really do it for him, so he really wanted to capture his own vision, as he told me when we spoke. Frankly, I will not dare to do that. I will not dare to say that uh, uh, I'm not here. I'm not a film critic. I'm a filmmaker. So I will not start to, uh, I will say that I have massive respect for David Lynch, who is a master, uh, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But I will say that uh, uh, I got, I felt I was half satisfied by his adaptation. I think, you know why? I, I could say that is that sometimes he, he, when you adapt, Necessarily, I did the same thing. By the way, you have to take liberties. You have to to uh, to uh, uh, change things because you the medium imposed that. So, some of the choices that were made at the time in order to make his adaptation to go away from the book, I felt less comfortable with. I thought that there's something that was not close enough to the poetry and to the the spirit of of, of the the novel. 
And I tried. That's why I, my, my my movie has no relationship with the Lynch movie. It's it's it's. I went back to the book, and and uh, uh, in order to make a movie that is closer to my sensibility. I, that's that's uh, that's it. Uh, William, we just have about a minute left or so, but the film also stars Rebecca Ferguson, of course, who's probably most famous for her roles in the Mission Impossible series. She's in The Greatest Showman as well. Uh, her career has gone from strength to strength over these last few years. Absolutely, and every great director wants to work with her because she brings something that really no one else can. And I think her, opposite Timothy Chalamet here, I think a lot of people are talking about Zendaya versus Timothy. It's really her and, um, and Timothy that are really the stars of this movie. She um, plays his mother, and I think... She was so impressed with him, as she told me when we spoke. I was very surprised by the level of um, maturity that he brings to to his work when it comes to his process. He's very, um, for this role, he was very driven to connect with, 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 I don't like speaking about other people's characters because it's not my process, but I felt that he, I wanted to create a shield and, and sort of a safe place for him to be able to get into the space that he needed to create this incredible character. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult role to embark on. Like I can't see anyone else doing it, but him. And then yet he's quirky and young and fun and, and can let that come out, you know, when he needs to, but he has, he's, he's brilliant. Rebecca Ferguson there. Uh, William Mullally, thanks so much for your insights on, of course, two big movies here in the UAE and, Enjoy James Bond, the new one tonight, No Time to Die. Um, first time you've seen it. Obviously, it's out in the UAE. Oh, I'm, I'm jealous, but enjoy it, and I can't wait to see it as well. And then next week is an IMAX, so I'll definitely be seeing it twice. Oh, amazing. William, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Hello, this is Tom Bushell uh, filling in for Mark Lloyd today, who will be live, of course, uh, from Expo 2020, the opening ceremony uh, later on this evening from 8pm. It's time to welcome Snea May Francis into the studio <laughs> to talk uh, Bollywood and what she's been watching and what you will be watching. But before we get on to Bollywood, Snea, <laughs> today, as I've just told you, September the 30th is International Stupid Question Day. This is a proper official day. I can't believe this. Um, and it's all Didn't de- even know it existed. No, neither did I before I looked online this morning. <laughs> the, it's all designed around actually encouraging children to ask more questions in classrooms and not to feel embarrassed if they've asked a question. that Yeah, may, no question maybe, is exactly, good or bad. Exactly, exactly that. Uh, I sat, ne- sat next to a passenger on a flight once who asked the purser if the sleep mask uh, she was handed could be eaten. Uh, the purser held his laughter and politely replied, I think it's edible, however, I do not recommend it. Um, thank you, Jason, for that one. My husband captained a Sunset Yacht Charter Cruise in Cape Town. A guest asked... How many sunset cruises do you do each day? That's the best so far. <laughs> That's like, how many are there? <laughs> uh, do you have any stories now? Um, for me, um, oh, well, I, 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 sug- I'd, I'd like to believe that I haven't asked any stupid, silly questions. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm not I'm suggesting. Sh- yeah, I'm yeah. sure someone would say no. Yeah. But um, it's about, you know, being an entertainment journalist, we go for all, all these Bollywood events. We have, yes. you know, film cast and crew flying in to talk about the movie. Yeah. And then there will be this this one time, there was Shah Rukh Khan. Mm-hmm. And there's, one, the, you know, so it was a media briefing and someone raises their hand, steps up and says, oh, you know, this one time my friend got me a video message from you for me on my birthday saying the next time we meet, you will give me a hug. Ooh. And all of us were just in utter shock. A media briefing and all she wanted was a hug. So, yeah, when, when media personalities uh, yeah. turn fans, yes. I think. It's that dreaded um, 
journal- journalists asking for selfies as oh, well yeah, with absolute, who they're interviewing. Absolute Ooh. no, no. No, no, indeed. Unless they ask for one, then we're okay. <laughs> well, exactly, that's fine, that's fine. Okay, let's talk Bollywood then. Um, <laughs> what have you watched recently, which is really worth talking about, what do you say? Right, let's start with Sunny. It's on Amazon Prime. Let's take a listen to that one. So Sonny is the big movie, must see. Um, yes, interestingly. So it's it's based on our times. Uh, quarantine. Oh, really? The pandemic. Right. So it's a movie in Malayalam. It's on Amazon Prime. It's <clears throat> over 94 minutes long. Wow, okay. So we watch a man who flies in back to his hometown and he's, you know, stuck in a hotel quarantine. Okay. And he's a man with a lot of troubles. Yeah. And while he's, you know, stuck in those four walls, yeah. or like a really posh uh, five-star hotel that he's checked into. Yeah. We see his struggles okay. while struggling, you yeah. know, the, the the problem with mental issues yes. when you're trapped in within, yeah, in yeah. quarantine. But they've turned that around quickly. I mean, I didn't, I thought, I thought it would be a good few years until we started getting movies about Oh, that's the great thing and, about yeah. Indian filmmakers. Yeah. And, and there have been quite it. a few. Mm. Uh, for a lot of people, for me, I think... I, I I was reluctant to watch it because quarantine, in a lot of ways, is quite yeah. a, a difficult subject to now yes. kind of expose yeah. yourself into, if yeah. I may add. Yeah. But it wasn't so. 94 minutes, I thought it was a stretch. Great concept, clever. You want if, to do it now. If I was only in quarantine for 94 minutes, I'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> Much better than two weeks, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Um, and this, there's just one actor that you see on screen over the 94 okay. uh, minutes, yeah. which is a bit stretch again. Yeah. And then you have the landscape, the beautiful, gorgeous landscape of uh, the Kochi backwaters, okay. and which is, which is amazing. There's the rain. You know, you use yeah. nature. Yeah. But, and, but yet I felt it could have been shorter. We're experimenting with stories. We're experimenting mm. with narratives. Let's also experiment with the story time. Okay. And so I would say give it a go, but yep. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but okay. it's a great first step. Okay. Worth a watch anyway. Um, now we move on to a series, Crime Stories, India Detectives. I know you're, is it a sort of binge watch for you, this series? Uh, honestly, it was. Let's take a listen <laughs> okay, to this. let's have a little listen. <laughs> In my 11 years of service, I've never seen a daughter killing her mother. As soon as a mother happens and I get a call, my only thing which will be running is how to get the accused. You can't beat a good crime series, can you? I love crime series. <laughs> I can tell you're a big fan. Oh, huge. What what about it? That that uh, how many episodes are there? I mean, could you, is this a all week all weekend? I'm not leaving the house. And watching crime <laughs> no, stories. it's four four docu series, yeah. four episodes. Okay, um, set in Bengaluru, uh, South Indian city. Yeah. Um, again, quite uh, close to me because I worked and lived there for quite a few years. Okay. Um, 
I I love crime uh, thrillers. <laughs> I love it. If I if I should say it a few more times, I will. Yeah. Whether it's drama, whether it's real life, and in a way, yeah. I feel reality is stranger than fiction. So to just see some of the stories and some of yeah. the 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 mysteries around these murders, mm-hmm. it was just it's it's just human mind, human psyche. It's quite baffling to see what triggers someone to do what they do, and yeah. to just that little second to make you do what. Yeah, you would just think unimaginable, you sure. know. So just the sheer shock value. Yes, my only uh, problem, if I may add, is we know that when they investigate these crime, um, these yeah. crimes, the the cops are a little more, I say, brutal okay. sometimes. And we've heard of uh, police brutality on and off again in India. Okay. So this, in a way, is a bit soft on that. We don't actually get the true picture. Sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of behind the scene action that we are not exposed to. Yeah. However, there's one scene in particular where there's the policeman, you know, belting. Um, a suspect, wow. not even someone who's admitted to the crime. Wow! I just couldn't watch yeah, it. Difficult. It's yeah. just so. Yeah. I, probably that's why the filmmakers, you know, decided not to. But it's yeah. we're not blind to that. that okay. This this does happen. Yeah. So yeah, I would say please watch it. Please watch it, indeed. So okay. So there are a, a little disturbing. Of, but yeah, a little. But, you know, all that might sorts. I add um, <laughs> a couple of that, that a couple of things that you'll really you know you, you recommend to watch. Uh, what's on the horizon for you? What's on the radar to watch soon? Uh, this one's called Brahmaram. This is on Amazon Prime. Okay. It's a Malayalam film. Do you want to take a listen to Let's that? take a listen, yeah. <laughs> Handsome, blind musician in town. Maestro of Blind Tunes. Tell us all about it, Snaya. That's it. It's a blind musician who gets entangled in a crime. Do you see this? There's like a pattern here. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wow, another crime Um, thriller. When's that going to be available? Uh, This is on October 7th, Amazon Prime. It's a remake of a hugely popular Bollywood thriller. I'm not a fan of remakes, but let's hope this one surprises me. Sometimes they're pretty good, aren't they? Sometimes. Uh, (laughs) Slayer May Francis, uh, thank you so much uh, for not only uh, providing your international uh, uh, stupid question day uh, (laughs) Always (laughs) welcome. uh, But also for the latest on what you're loving in the world of Bollywood at the moment. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Tom Bushell looking after things for Mark Lloyd today. Weekend, of course, is here just about. And as always, we'd like to get AJ on the phone, one half of Mr and Mrs Brunch. AJ, good afternoon to you. Hi, Tom. How are you? Very well. well. Very, very well. Thank you, AJ. Um, I'm looking at the list that you're keen to talk about today. There's a couple of relaunches there. There's a very exciting-looking pool party brunch as well. Um, But shall we start with the polo option? Yes, we shall. So we're starting off at the the polo brunch, and it's it's quite a way out. It's at the Melia Desert Palm, which is down on Alawir Road. Yes. yeah, it's a really beautiful place that you can see the skyline of Dubai in the background. And it's, it's yeah. one of those that, well, you know what Dubai's like, they always try and do something 
different, you know, like branches of pool access or celebrity chef or, you know, we've even done them in a revolving restaurant at the Formula One, but never done brunch at the Polo before until uh, we, we actually went and tried this one, which is amazing. And what kind of food um, does this brunch offer? Is it sort of a bit of everything or do they have specialities? Uh, it's a real speciality. So obviously Polo is huge in Argentina and they, they continue that scene. It's the asado grill. Nice. So meats, basically. So a lot of, if you uh, squeamish on your meats, then, then don't try this one. It's unbelievable. So it's, it's things like uh, ribeye and tenderloin yeah. steak and lamb chops, chicken, and it all comes on this big kind of smorgasbord chopping board that you place in front of you and just get stuck in family style. Amazing, amazing. Um, and something uh, completely uh, the opposite of that, if you like, is Laguna Pool Party Brunch. Now, this does sound fun. So I'm going to a little bit of a, a confession to make on this one. So they only ran for two weeks. So I've got all of the details, but they, I, I, I was going to plan to go this week, but they, they told me that they've actually only run for last week um, and the week before. So they, they were running a two-week special. So I've got a substitute if you want. Or do you want to hear about the warm-up? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, so, so <laughs> that's funny. Um, yes, tell us what the substitute is. Okay, so far from the um, the party water park, which w- when it does come back, I will get the details. I promise you. Um, <laughs> is we're going to uh, we're going up market and we're going to the Four Seasons, which is down on Beach Road. Yeah. And they're they're launching actually tomorrow as well. So good timing for them to be uh, a last minute substitute. Um, this one is called Souk S U Q. Um, and if you've been to the uh, Four Seasons, you know that they've got all of those iconic restaurants yeah. up uh, where their staircases, like the Koyas and your Nusarets and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, this one's actually in the hotel itself. And it's a real treat. It's an international buffet, but a treat for um, anyone who likes sweets. So they've got someone called Nicholas Lambert, who uh, is their pastry chef. Um, and he's, he's kind of like the Paul Hollywood of pastry chefs. He's Michelin starred back in uh, Hong Kong. He's actually voted the best pastry chef in Hong Kong and uh, wow. Asia's best pastry chef wow. in the world's 50 restaurants. So this guy really knows his stuff. Um, and there's a whole corner of the brunch that's dedicated to his kind of weird and creative um, desserts. A little bit like uh, Heston. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that does sound very good, I have to say. Pastry, I, I love pastry. Um, so, yeah, that is a one to go to then. And you're saying that that one launches tomorrow then? It does. It launches tomorrow. Um, it's uh, 1 till 4 p.m. and it's 375 for soft beverages, uh, 530 for house beverages, or if you really want to push the boat out, 750 for a French bubbly package. Perfect. And the third option uh, is the Wall Street uh, party brunch? Yes. So this one is back, and this one is only going to be on the first Friday of every month. Okay. So you catch this one tomorrow, and then you'll have to wait until November. But yeah. um, if you haven't been before, it's a really cool, fun concept. It's not like the uh, uh, the, the Wall Street, the Wolf of Wall Street movie. This one's the kind of <laughs> 1980s Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen uh, version. Um, so it's a really interactive one where they've got this massive screen and it's, uh, uh, it's like a livestock market exchange where prices go up and That's down. That's very cool. Yeah, there's a big bell that rings and you can, you know, prices go higher and lower and you can so spin the wheel. and prices go price. higher and lower on, on what? On, on food and things? So you sort of can... You uh, can di- food, be- uh, beverage packages, you can get wow. bottles, you can uh, win prizes for brunches, you can win steak, you can win all sorts of things and it's, uh, it's really fun and interactive and they've got... Uh, uh, a guy, Jono, uh, Jono from uh, a sister radio station, shall we say, is uh, is hosting, and he's got really good 
uh, Irish banter, and it's, uh, it's great for the crack. And the food's actually not bad as well. It does sound good fun. It does sound good fun. Uh, three really good brunches uh, to consider for, well, the start of October uh, tomorrow. AJ, thanks so much. Uh, which one would you are you going to be doing tomorrow? Oh, we're actually at another one. We're at Grey's, but we might pop along to the uh, the Wolf of Wall Street one is a late brunch. It starts at 3pm. Okay. So we might pop along to Grey's and then go to that one afterwards. Amazing. Uh, wherever you go, have a great weekend. Thank you for giving us your insights as well. And have a good weekend, AJ. Cheers, Tom.